Okay, um, good morning. Today's daf, uh, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Yehudis Bashmuel. And today's daf is daf Tzadi Gimel. We'll go from the Mishnah towards the bottom of Tzadi Beis Amud Beis, 92b. Um, it's about the, it's about the sixth wide line. So now this Mishnah is very interesting. It's introducing a fascinating topic. What happens if two people do a malacha together? I, we've discussed uh, one person carrying, and we've discussed if one person carries less than what would be a significant amount, that is potur. And now we're going to discuss what happens if two people carry. So it says, so the Mishnah says, If someone carries a loaf of bread into the public domain, he's chayev. Okay, that we know, but it's introducing the next point. But if two people carry it, they would be exempt. What happens if it's a heavy object that one person is not able to carry it, but two people carry it? Chayovin, they would be chayev. The Rabbi Shimon Poiter and Rabbi Shimon says they exempt. So in this Mishnah, obviously we know that if one person does a malacha, a full malacha, he's chayev. Second principle, a novel point, is that if Two people do a malacha that you need both of them. It's a very heavy item, a huge uh, a bed, and you need both people to carry it. Then, if two people carry it, they would be chayev. And Rabbi Shimon says potur. Now, the Gemara is going to elaborate on this machlokes, and we're actually going to see that it's a three-way machlokes. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Shimon. As we'll see, just to give a heads up, Rabbi Meir is basically going to hold always chayev. Obviously, not always, but basically hold always chayev. And Rabbi Shimon's going to hold always potur, and Rabbi Yehuda's going to be in the middle. So Omar Rabbi Yehuda, Omar Rav, Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Rav, Omri law, Omar Abayah, some say it was Abayah, Omri law, Manisatana, some say it was actually a Brisa. Ze Yochov, Ze Yochov. What happens if two people are able to carry it? I, it's an item that could be carried by one person, but two people carry it. Rabbi Meir Machayev, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon Potur. Rabbi Meir says you chayev, and Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon say you potur. If this one is not able to carry it, and this one is not able to carry it, it's an item that needs two people to carry it. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Meir, Machayovim, Rabbi Shimon, Paturim. What happens if one person was able to carry it, he's very strong, and the other person was not able to carry it, he's weak? Divrakol, chayev. Everyone agrees that he is Chayev. We'll discuss in the Gomorrah who's he. Is it the strong guy or the weak guy? Who's Chayev? Um, but we've just spelled out the Machloikes. The price is going to elaborate it over the next bit. And we're going to discuss each of their opinions and their source. But in summary, what's their opinion? If you have a Malacha that, um, that each one could do independently, Rabbi Meir says you Chayev. Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon say you Potur. If two pe- sorry, and both do it together. What happens if you have something that could only be done by one person, by two people, a heavy object or a big object like a bed? Then Rabbi Meir would hold, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda would hold Chayev, and Rabbi Shimon would hold Potter. We see Rabbi Yehuda switches sides, and Rabbi Shimon yeah, holds Potter. Tanya Namiach, we have a price which teaches this principle. Hamoitzi kikalushus harabim Chayev, if someone carries a loaf of bread into a public domain, he's Chayev. If two people carried it, Rabbi Meir Machayev, Rabbi Meir says, you Chayev. 
under all circumstances, for Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda is going to put in a condition. If one person was not able to carry it, and two people carried it, then they would be, both of them would be chayv. If it did not require two people to carry it, but to him they would be exempt. But Rabbi Shimon, Poiter and Rabbi Shimon says, no, in both cases you're exempt. What's the source? The Torah Rabbonon, as we learned in a price, the Pasuk says, when he does it, if he does all of it, not someone who does part of it. So if you have two people doing part of a melacha, well then they potur. Says Kaitzad, what would be examples? Shnayim b'maglan If two people were holding a pitchfork and piling the grain, I that Rashi points out is ma'amer the issue issue the issue of gathering grain. Bekarkar v'shovtin, weaver's rod and straightening the warp thread. Bekulmus v'koisvim, two people were holding a quill and writing. If two people were holding a reed and they carried it into the public domain, you might think that both of them are chayav because they're both doing the melacha. Talmud Laimar, the Torah says, if he does it, you're only chayav if you do all of it and not if you do some of it. Then the price continues. The eagle shall devela something heavy like a fig cake for Hoitsiolushusa Rabim and he carries it into and they carry it into the public domain, but Koira or a beam, a huge plank, for Hoitsiolushusa Rabim, and they carry it into Rushusa Rabim. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer im Yochel Echod Lahitsio Voyotsio Shnaim. Rebuda says if one of them is able to carry it and both of them carry it. Sorry, im law if one of them is not able to carry it and both of them carry it. If not, if both people actually could carry it by each one independently, then there would be potur. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Even if both of them are not able to carry it out. And both of them do carry it out. I, it's a huge beam that really requires two people to carry it. And both carry it. Both of them are potter. The kachnemar. That's why it says ba'asoiso. If he does it, yochid shoiso chayov. Shnayim shosov p'turim. If he does it, if two people do it, they would. If one person does a melacha, he's chayov. If two people do a melacha, he would be potter. Okay, so this Bryce is elaborating on the core of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon's opinion. We haven't really touched on Rabbi Meir yet, but we've started to see. But from the next Bryce, it will spell it out. So let's just get the opinions clear in our mind. We have Rabbi Meir, who basically says, if you're always chayav. Whether one person does it or two people do it, you're always chayav. We have on the other extreme, Rabbi Shimon says, any melacha done by two people, you're exempt. Unless only one person does it. If one person does a melacha, okay, then he's chayav. And then we have in the middle, Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Yehuda says it depends. Rabbi Yehuda says, if it's a melacha that could be done by one person, um, if it's a melacha that could be done by one person and two people do it, then you potter. Rashi explains the logic behind that is because it's not usual to do something. If, some, if one person could do something, why would you get two people to do it? Um, and however, if, if it's something that um, two people could do and only one person does, 
sorry, if it's something that only two people could do, and two people do it, then Rabbi Yehuda would say Chayev, because that's the normal way of doing it. So the Gemara asks, but my Kamifliki, what point are they arguing in? I, we see in general a person is only Chayev if he does the Malacha by himself. And on the other extreme, if it's done with two people, on the other hand, if two people do it, he's Potter. But there's still three different opinions in when. So he says, Baha'i Kra, they're all arguing in the following Pasuk. I'll read the whole Pasuk. It says, If one person does a sin by mistake, may Amma Oretz from amongst the people, so when he does it, sorry, when he does it, Achas, Mimitzvot Hashem, one of the mitzvot of Hashem, Asher Lo Ta'asenu, which is not supposed to do for Hashem, and he's guilty. So this is the Pasuk obligating someone in a Chattas. And again, it says, the Im Nefesh, so the, the key point for us is the first half, which says, if one person does it, Rabbi Shimon holds, you read that Pasuk with three limitations. Right? There are three limitations. What are they? You read it as, Nefesh Techata, if one person does a sin, Achas. Achas Techata, if one person does a sin, I Nefesh Achata, Achas, he's splitting between the Techata, but I saw, but as I saw when he does it, techete chad, techete so techete chad limute ze oikev zemenyach. One is coming to exclude carrying. Remember, carrying, as we've learned right at the beginning of the Masechta, is an is a special halacha that has two parts: picking it up and putting it down. Akira vahanocha, and we learn one pasuk is saying he does it; he must do both halves to be chayav. Um, just one further point on carrying, why carrying is different, is with all the other things we've discussed, it's considered a, a less than the shield. I, how much do you have to, that we've been discussing for the last few weeks, how much do you have to carry to be chayas? There we assumed he did the whole malacha, he just did less than the required amount. Whereas with the akira and the anocha, if you don't do both, you actually haven't done the whole malacha. So it's a subtle difference, but it actually makes... It has ramifications that if you just do Akira, it's not like you've done half of carrying. It's you haven't done carrying. Carrying is when you do an Akira and a Hanocha. Okay, but the first limitation in the Pasuk is to exclude someone who only does Akira, only does Hanocha. And one's coming to exclude where this one is able to independently, and this one is able to independently. There, potu. And the third one is coming to exclude where this one is not able, and that one is not able. Right, so this would be Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Rabbi Shimon says, the Pasuk excludes three cases. What are those three cases that excludes from being Chav in a Kaban Chattas? So obviously carrying, only if you do Akira and Anocha. Secondly, um, where two people do a malacha that could be done by one person. And then the third one, this is the Chiroshi, where he argues on Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir. He says, is even if it's a malacha that requires two people, the Pesach tells us, you're not unless one person does it. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, one is coming to, ex- again, there's three limitations in the Pesach. The first limitation is coming to exclude someone who only does Akira, and someone else does the Hanocha. And the second one is coming to exclude a Melocha done by two people when it could be done by one person. And the third one, the third limitation is where an individual does an act 
that's Chayavachatas based on the Psak of Beisdin. We actually discussed this concept at length in, I think, Horios. Horios or... I'm trying to remember. I think it was Horios. But um, we know there that if... Uh, yeah, I think it was Horios. Um, if... Uh, if Beisdin issue a ruling and a majority of Bnei Israel pa- practice based on that ruling, transgress the Isu Kores, there's the special carbon of Par Helev Dabar. What happens if only one person p- practices based on, it's Beisdin Agodol's ruling, the, the major, the primary Sanhedrin issues a ruling that's Chelev is this type of Chelev, fats of the animal is Mutar, and one person goes and eats that fat and then they realize they made a mistake. Does he have to bring a carbon Chattus or not? So Rabbi Yehuda says, the one limitation in the Pasuk is coming to exclude that. Ah, oh, the Rebbe Shimon. What would Rebbe Shimon hold? So, Yochit Sha'ostav Baharaz based in Chayev. He actually holds that no. If an individual does a malacha based on base, um, because the Sanhedrin permitted him to do it, he would actually be Chayev a Korban Chattas. Interesting enough, Rebbe Yehuda says he's potur because it's oinais. It's less than Shoigeg. Remember, Shoigeg is almost a little bit of negligence on your behalf because you should know the halacha or you should just be more cognizant of what you're doing. But oinase is that more accidental, more out of your control. If the Sanhedrin Agoro comes along and tells you you can eat that meat and you go and eat it, that's oinase. That's uh, more, um, that's, uh, that's out of your control. So therefore, Rabbi, Rabbi, that's why Rabbi Huda would hold you exempt from that. But Rabbi Shimon says, actually, an individual is Chayev. Now, Tosfos say, but wait. Tosfos say, wait, if you look, that's how, this is how Girsa and Rashi learns like that. But Tosfos say, that can't be, because if you look at the beginning of Horios, Rabbi Shimon actually says, you potter. So you have to say, and Rabbi Shimon holds that this case doesn't even require a posuk. Why does it not require a posuk? Because it's so obvious. If someone does a practice based on Sanhedrin, you can't tell us that they shoigeg and they have to bring a common chattis. They're oinais. And that's why he would hold potter. Okay, so those are the first two opinions. For Rebbe Meir, how does Rebbe Meir learn? Because remember, Rebbe Meir says he's always chayev. Even if two people do the malacha, they both chayev. says, Miksim nepesh techete. Achas techte ba'asosa techte. Where do you get that? There are three limitations in the posuk. If you read the posuk as, as it is, it says, Im nepesh achas techete. But so saw, we read that as three different nefesh achas techte bishkogome amores. But so saw, we read that as two exclusions. He says, where do you see three? Wait, sorry, as three exclusions. Where do you see that? He says, try me to exclude. There are only two limitations in the puzzle. Chad lumutai ze oikev ze One exclusion is to exclude someone who does akira and someone else who does the hanocha. I only does part of carrying. And the other one's coming to exclude where an individual does it based. Um, relying on Beisdin Agadol's Psak. Okay, so now we understand the Machloikes Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Meir. It's based on how to darsh in that posuk. But now we're going to just analyze this price further. It says Omar, Omar, Mar, Ze Yochel Ze Eino Yochel, Eino Yochel Divrei Hakol Chayav. We mentioned in the earlier brisa. That if you have something, sorry, that one person, he was strong, he was able to do it. And there was a second person who's not as, who's weak and he wasn't able to do it. Everyone agrees Chayev. This is Haminayum Chayev. Which one is Chayev? 
Um, and toss, so, so the question is, on the surface, the question is, is it the guy who could do it by himself, but had this weakling's assistance? Is he the one who's chayev? Or is it the person who did it with two people? Uh, or is it the weakling who needed the stronger person's help? Is he chayev? Which one's chayev? Tosfos say, you can't, that can't really be the question. It says, It says, you can't come to say that we would think to exempt the one who's able to do it by himself and say the one who's not able to do himself is liable. This is illogical. It's coming to say, It's coming to ask, Obviously, the one who's doing the malacha, the one who's able to do it by himself, who's doing the malacha, is chayav. The question is, is the weak person who's not able to do it by himself, who marks for all intents and purposes, doesn't have to be there, is he also chayav? That's our Tosas learn. Okay, but for, let's just keep it simple and straightforward. The question is, is the one who's able to do it by himself chayav? And we kind of ignore the assistance, as we'll see. Or do we say that, no, it's the other guy's chayav, because he's the one who needs the help and therefore it would be the normal way for him to do it. So Omar Rav Chizda Rav Chizda says it must be the one who is able to do it is Chayav. If you want the one who doesn't not able to do it himself what's he doing? It's like you know when you have a, a little child you want to move something a little child says I want to help you. So you let them rest their hands on the thing that you're moving and they think they're helping but they're not really doing anything. So, so to here, you have this strong guy who's able to carry this uh, bag, the suitcase by himself, and you have this wimp who says, you know what, let me help you, and he puts his hand on it, he's not doing anything. So, this is no, but at the end of the day, he's helping. I was thinking maybe an example could be like a trestle table. You can definitely manage to carry a trestle table by yourself, but it's easier to have someone help you. So maybe that's, so that's what he's saying. He is helping him at the game. So, this where someone helps is insignificant. And now we're going to bring four proofs that if someone assists someone doing something where they're not really needed, even though they are assisting, it's considered insignificant. That's the key point we're trying to prove in the next. We're going to bring four proofs to this concept. So the first one is Omar Azvid Mishmei Dorova. Azvid says in the name of Rova, Af Ananami Tenina, we learned in a Mishnah. Now this is regarding a Zav. We know if a Zav rests his weight on something, a bed, a cloth, something like that, that's made for resting on, he makes a tome. But one of the qualifications is if he rests the majority of his weight on it. So he says, so how do you view a bed with four legs? So if he was sitting on a bed and there were four garments, under one under each leg, Tameos, the legs are Tomeim, because the bed can't balance on three legs. The Rabbi Shimon Matar and Rabbi Shimon says he's Tahor. I review each of the four leg as each of the four legs. Each leg is because the bed couldn't balance by itself. And what's the halacha if you have two people doing something that could not be done by one person? So that would be Chayev. Um, Um, yeah, but according to Rabbi Shimon, who says Potter, as soon as you have two people doing something, so so to you, you have two legs doing something, they would both be exempt. 
we're translating exempt into Tumah, into Tahar, and Chayv into things. So again, each leg of the bed is not able to support the weight because the bed would topple if it only had three legs. So each leg of the bed is viewed as and therefore they're both essential and therefore the class under it would be Tomei. If, however, you had four, you had someone sitting on an animal now obviously, and the animals, each of the four legs of the animal were on a separate garment, the animal, the garments would be tar. Now he says, why should they be tar? Each leg of the animal is helping to support the animal and the rider. So all the talus, each talus under each leg should be tome. So must be because we're saying something that helps something is insignificant. The animal could balance on three legs. Therefore the fourth leg is insignificant. It's just assisting and it's insignificant. And so too with the, when you look at the other leg, that leg is insignificant. Each leg, when looked at by itself, is insignificant because it's just helping the animal balance when it could balance on three legs. Omar Rabbi Yehuda Midiskarta is not so happy with this. He says, says, no, maybe we could say helping an assistant is something that's not necessary but is helping should still be considered significant. But here, maybe the animal was standing on three legs the whole time. The Kivan de Zimlin Okra, Ho Zimlin Okra, Holy Habe Kazav Hamishapech. says, No, because since he at sometimes, yeah, well, since it sometimes stand on one leg, on three legs, and sometimes on a different three legs, and sometimes on a different three legs, so sometimes it's resting on this leg and sometimes it isn't, he should be like a Zav. And rolls over in his sleep. Miloy Tran did we not learn in a Mishnah? Zav shehoyo mutal al salino al pundos. What happens if you have a Zav lying across five benches or five money belts? Le orchon tameim, if he lies along their length, he's they tome. Le rochbon, if he lies along the width, tohoyri ne tohor. Why? Because remember, if he's lying along the length, then his whole weight will be on one bench. And he's obviously moving along those benches, so all of those benches will be tome. If he's lying along the width, let's say my fingers are each a different bench, when he lies along the width, his weight is spread out. There's no bench supporting the majority of his weight, the majority of him. And therefore they will all be tahor. and what happens if he goes to sleep along their width? Sofek mishape chaleim tameim, it's a doubt whether he might have turned in his sleep and therefore they tome. Granted, he might have gone to sleep perpendicular to the benches and therefore they should be tahor. Maybe in his sleep, he turned. We know people move in their sleep, so maybe he turned and he lay lengthwards along the benches. And again, in his sleep, we don't know which ones he lay, lay on. So they all tome. So what do we see from here? We see that if his, the weight of the zav might have been on something, it is considered tome. Misofek, it becomes tome. So, so too with the animal. Granted, the animal could balance on three legs. We don't know which of those three legs it's balancing on. And therefore, out of sofek, each of the cloths should be tome. But we said, they tohor. So, so why would you say that the cloths under the animal's legs are 
Tahor. Again, we've just proven if you're not sure whether the weight of the Zav is on the items that are out of doubt, they tome. Well, so too with the animal. Granted, the animal could balance on three legs. You don't know whether it's balancing on its two back legs and its front right leg, or its two front legs and its back right leg. You don't know which legs it was balancing on. So therefore, out of doubt, we should say each of the taluses, each of the garments under each of the legs is tome. What could be the logic to say that it's tall? You must view each of the legs as an assistant. When you view each leg in isolation, it's a messiah and, and it's insignificant. So that's our first proof. Second proof. Omar Apopim is made that, again, we try to prove that if something assists something else or someone else where it's insignificant, where it's not necessary, it's considered insignificant. Omar Apopi Mishmei Durova, Rapopi said in the name of Rova, Mishmei Durova, Rapopi Mishmei Durova, Af Ananami Tenina, we learned in a Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Hasus Metamei Al Yadov, this seems to be arguing with that first point, but let's not go there. Asus makes anything under its four legs tome. So again, you have a zav sitting on a sus. If it has a cloth under either of its four legs, it's tome. A chamor raglov. And a chamor, if it has anything under its hind legs, it would be tome. Or either of its hind legs. Because a horse rests its primary weight on its front legs, and the donkey its primary weight on its hind legs. The cloth, so we just said, let's just focus on the horse to keep it simple. We said anything under the horse's front legs would be tome because that's where its primary weight is. But anything, if you had a cloth under its hind legs, it would be tahar. But why should they be tahar? It needs its hind legs to help balance. Granted, they're not essential like its front legs, but they are helping. This is the back legs are helping the front legs. So they should be tomorrow. It must be because we hold Messiah is insignificant. Ravashi says we also another proof, a third proof. We learned in a Mishnah, if you have a coin doing the service in the temple. Now we know for the temp if the Kohen is not standing directly on the temple floor, the floor of the base Amidash. It's invalid, he's avoider. So what happens if he has one foot on a clee and one foot on a stone? Oh, sorry, one foot on the floor and one foot on a clee, or one foot on the floor and one foot on a stone. Ragla achas ala ritzpa, roin ke kol she'ilu yinotel ha'kli v'tinotel ha'even, yocholamur al raglo achas. We view it, if you would move the stone or the clee, would he be balancing on his other foot? Kesheira, he's kosher. V'im lav, if not, his avoid is possible. Now, at the end of the day, it's still helping him balance. I see you have this Kohen standing with one foot on the base Amigdash floor, one foot on a Kli, an overturned uh, bowl, and he's catching the blood of the animal. Now, we said that if you remove the Kli, he would still be balancing, then the avoid is kosher. But why? This that he's standing on the balance, it's helping him balance this that his foot's on the clee. Must be. Messiah is not, is, has no significance. Remember they say the same halacha, I think it's by vidui or by the amida. I'm just trying to remember which one. That you're not supposed to be leaning on something. So what happens if someone's hands are on a stender? 
that do they fulfill the mitzvah of standing for that middle or standing for vidui? I don't remember which one it was. And the way you check is if you would remove the shtender, would they fall over? So it's a similar thing. I think it's a similar thing here. This kohen, would he fall over if you moved the kli or not, or the stone? Um, and that's what we're saying here. Tosfos asks an interesting question. Don't we generally say, why should standing on a stone be an imp- uh, separation, a chatzitza, interposition between his body and the floor? We generally say, min b'mino eino chotzeitz. Or this should at least be a proof that min b'mino eino that min b'min is chotzeit. Okay, I don't want to go into process now. He explains why it's different, but that's just an interesting question to think about. Okay, now a fourth proof. Yeah, fourth proof. Omar Ravina af ananami tenina kibel beyomim v'small mesayato avoidos okshira. Ravina says we also learned in a Mishnah if he receives the blood in his left hand, with uh, in his right hand. With his left hand assisting him, his avoid accounts. A kohen is supposed to catch the blood in his right hand, holding holding the bolt to catch the blood in his right hand. What happens if his left hand's helping him? So it's kosher. Now, his left hand's helping his right hand. It shouldn't be a kosher avoider. The avoider has to be done with his right hand. It must be because we hold Messiah in Bomamush. Assistance is is insignificant. And that seems to be conclusive. So back to our question. If you had a strong person carrying it that could easily could carry this bed or table or whatever bag by himself, and you have a weak person who could not carry it by himself, helping him move it. Only the strong person would be higher for carrying on Shabbos, because granted the weak person is helping him a little bit, Messiah is insignificant. Now this concept of Messiah being insignificant is Quite a, it comes up often in Shas, just a few examples, and some of them are more practical, some of them are less practical. Um, but just the general answer, we find contradictions. For example, in, uh, so was it? In Marcos, it discusses you're not allowed to shave round the corners of your head, you're not allowed to shave your payers uh, completely. It says, who's hived, the one who does the shaving or the one who's being shaved? And there it says both. It says, oh, but he's just being Messiah. Yeah, Messiah is Chayev. So in Marcos, it seems to say Chayev, a Messiah is Ignam. But the fact that you go to the barber and you hold your head up for him to shave the payers, you Chayev, but you're only a Messiah. Um, there you could say there's a special posuk. Um, where else does it come up? Yeah, another interesting discussion about brochas. We know that a koishal brocha you hold in your right hand. The Gomorrah brochas discusses... In Daphnundalit, what happens if you hold it in your right and left hand? So it says, well, do we say Messiah is significant or not? And Robert says, we better go strict and say, only hold it in your right hand. Don't hold it in your right and left hand. Which is quite interesting because these things we've been discussing in our sukya, temple service, is it Tome from a Zav, carrying on Shabbos, or always Surah Doraisa, and thereby a, a Mahadran Darabon, and we say, go strict and don't do Messiah. So, I mean, so t- the, the obvious answer is you have to analyze each case and see what's the dimension that's required. Why should it be? What's the requirements in that case? And you have to view each case in um, isolation. But I think it's, uh, um, but it's quite an interesting discussion. I'll tell you two, just quickly, two other examples where this um, comes up is uh, if you have... On Shabbos, because this is what we're discussing now, 
um, in Hilchus Shabbos, what happens if you have a dim light in a room and a non-Jew switches on the light? Well, what happens if a non-Jew switches on a light in a room? So you're not allowed to get benefit from the malacha. But if you could kind of manage before whatever you were doing in that room, and now it's just easier to manage, you can carry on. Because that's Messiah. He's just assisting. But if you, let's say you're trying to read in the room and you can't read because it's too dark, and he switches on the light, then it would be also because he's not being Messiah. So here that seems to line up with our case that Messiah doesn't matter. Okay, so it's a discussion and you have to analyze each case. Why should Messiah make a difference in that case or not? Why should the Torah, why should we say Messiah uh, assistance is insignificant and here we say it's significant. Okay, now to quote the next, another point from the Bryce is Omar Mahar, Zeyochov, Zeyochov, Rebbe Memechayev. Mar said, if this one is able and this one is able, he's chayev. When we say you need two people that where each one's able to do the malacha by themselves and they do it together, does it require a separate shear? Let's say they're carrying food together. Does it have to be two different groigeres or just one groigeres? Because we know to carry food, you have to do so when two people are doing a malacha together. Does it have to be an in- independent shear for each of them or a shear together? I'm going to come soon now. Um, so that's the question. Tosca's asked a very interesting question, and it's more the answer that makes it more interesting. Is they ask, why don't we ask this according to Rabbi Yehuda, which is our Mishnah? Rabbi Yehuda says if you have two people who can't do the malacha, and they do it together, then you chayev. So you should ask the same question. Does it have to be the same amount? Does it have to be the shear, one shear? Or does it have to be two separate shear for two people? So it comes along, uh, so Tosos, the, the one answer Tosos give is that, you're right, it could have asked it according to Rabbi Yehuda, and the text should actually be also according to Rabbi Yehuda. The second answer, which I thought was quite interesting, is that he says, no, you're right, it's not going to ask it according to Rabbi Yehuda, because what's the chances of having something that needs two people to carry it and being less than the shear? Like, for example, carrying food. What's the chances of having food that you need two people to carry, but is less than a, that's less than two grogeres? So he says, very interesting, he says it's very unlikely. Okay, that's a sidebar. Um, now, let's go back. So again, what's our question? When two people do a malachi in a scenario that they would be chayv, like according to Rabbi Meir or according to Rabbi Yehuda, does it have to be a shear for each of them? Or is one shear, one minimum amount, make them both chayv? So Rav Chizda, Rav Nunechat, Omar Shir Lezev, Shir Lezev, V'chad Omar Shir Echod Lekulam. One said you need one shear, and the other said you need two shears. And comes along the Gomorrah, and it's now going to bring again four proofs to show that one shear, you only need one shear amongst the both of them. So you don't need two Grogeris, you just need one Grogeris. And for both of them, and they'll still be Chayv. The Zomara, first one is Zomara Papa. We learned in the this case of the Zav sitting on the bed and there are four garments under one under each of the legs of the bed. They because the bed can't balance on three legs. You should need a separate Zav for each leg. 
If you're holding, you want to combine, when something combines, you need a separate shear, then you'd actually need four zav to sit on a bed, maybe three, because then you could get a majority, but let's say four zav to sit on a bed to make each talus under each leg tome, because otherwise it's one shear. Must be you only need one shear split amongst everyone. Second proof. Says, I also have a Mishnah that proves this point. Says, if you have a deer that runs into the house, and someone closes the door to trap it in the house, he's chayav. He's done the isur. One of the 39 malachas is tzayda trapping. So if you see an animal run into the house and you close it, you're chayav. If two people close the door... They potter. Um, what happens if it's a very heavy door and two people could not close it, but so one person could not close it, but two people close it? Then they'd be chav. They should each have to do a separate act of trapping. This one should... It should have to be two animals, otherwise neither one's done the full malacha. Must be because we hold one shear for all of these. The third proof is says we also learned Hashutofim Shegon If you have two partners and they steal and shech the animal they chayev. You know there's a special halacha regarding Geneva. That you pay double. Or, and then further, if it's a cow or a lamb and they shecht it or sell it, but let's just discuss shitta here, you pay four or five. If it's a cow, you pay four. If it's a lamb, if it's a cow, you pay five. And if it's a lamb, you pay four. Times the value. That's if you caught for. Otherwise, otherwise, what? Um, so if it's a small animal, you pay more. Yeah, so if it's a cow, you'd pay four times the value. And if it's a, la- a sheep, you'd pay. Um, five times, uh, four times the value. Now that you can eat a spawn. if you shecht it, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the reason. Yeah, it. the reason given there is because you carry. But so if you shecht this animal, so what are we saying? That if you have two people working, two thieves working in partnership, and either together they shecht the animal or one shecht the animal on behalf of them, they have to pay this this four or five. Old payment says, Why you should need a separate tvicha for each of them, it should have to at least be two animals. Says, Must be because we hold you have, if as long as you have one shear for everyone, you chayav. And then a fourth proof, I have another proof. If you have two people carrying out a weaver's reed, a weaver's reed was kind of like a comb that they would push against the threads to make sure that they all, um, to push all the, what's it, the, the cross threads, the woof threads together so that they were evenly pressed against each other. Otherwise, sometimes they could get um, more spread out or less spread out. So that's as weaver. So if you have two people carrying it, they chayev. But you, they shouldn't be high. You should have to carry enough for each of them to carry. Um, your own, this is the minimum shear. A, a weaver's rod, a reed. One is higher for carrying a weaver's reed. 
So should you need two weavers, at least two weavers read for two people to be chayv? Must be because we say, no, one shear for everyone. Now, he's not so happy with this. It says, may be granted this reed as a weaver's comb, the minimum shear is one. But why don't you view it as a, we- as a reed that's for firewood? And if it's for firewood, well then it only has to be enough firewood, remember, to cook the easiest egg that there is to cook. It says, if that's the case, then it would have just taught a reed. Why does it teach a weaver's reed? Must be to teach Mashna the Gardi. Why does it mention a weaver's reed? It must be to teach us Chidush that even if you have two people carrying one weaver's reed, they chayev. It says, Maybe it's a very big weaver's reed. It's big enough to work for both of them. Okay, fine, you're right. You can't really learn it from here. Okay, but we have three good proofs that to be chayev on... Sh- when, when we say that two people are chayev for one melacha on Shabbos, it does not have to be that there's a separate shear for each of them. One shear would obligate them both. Tony Tana Kaimei Derav Nachman a price a tana taught before Rav Nachman. Shnayim shahutzio kala shogadi pturim. For Rabbi Shimon Mechayev, if two people carried this weaver's reed, they potter, and Rabbi Shimon says Yechayev. So the Gemara says no kapelai. It should be switched around. Ella aimer rather the price should read Chayovim. The opinion that says Chayev. Rabbi Shimon potter and Rabbi Shimon who says it's potter. This last point, not so essential to us, but it, it's going back on the Machlokes. Remember, we know Rabbi Meir is the one who says, if two people do a malacha, they chayev. It's only by carrying that if one person does the akira and one person does the hanocha, that they potter. But by all other malachas on Shabbos and all other, I guess, isurei kores, if two people do the malacha, at least by Shabbos, if two people do the malacha, they pot chayev, according to Rabbi Meir. And Rabbi Shimon was the other extreme. He said, no, whenever two people do a malacha, even where it would be impossible for one of them to do it by himself, and two people do it, he would be chayav. And, uh, um, sorry, Rabbi Shimon holds potter. So this b'risa, which says that Rabbi Shimon holds chayav, and the first opinion holds potter, must be backwards. Sorry, this b'risa, which says that um, the first opinion says um, Potur and Rabbi Shimon says Chayev must be backwards, and it's actually Rabbi Shimon who says Chayev because Rabbi Sh- uh, says Potur because Rabbi Shimon always says Potur. Okay, uh, Shavuot Tov. We'll leave it there for today.